Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The award-winning Crunch Time. And he finds Bailey Smith, who's been irrepressible yet again. Swings around. Final kick of the game. Drives it right to the line. What a way to finish. Swings for home. Oh, what a goal. They just surged it here, the Cats. Stengel with a right foot snap for a goal. Wynn Hager puts it into the pocket looking for King. And he takes the mark on the chest. Just too strong. Here's Max King. Good contact. Umpire didn't move. Early goal for the Saints. Guess who's all alone and guess who's going to make you pay. Dream time at the G. Shay Bolton waves goodbye to the Essendon cheer squad. It's dream time here, and he's going to haunt their dreams. He gets his third. The Dogs string back-to-back wins together for the first time this season. The Cats snap the Powers winning streak. Max King shoots straight as the Saints get their seventh win of the season. And Richmond demolished the Dons' dream time returns to the G, but it comes at a cost with injuries to two key Tigers. Joel Jeffrey, tight angle, right forward pocket, navigated it superbly. And split the middle, and didn't he love it? Makes no mistake, straight through the middle. So Joel Jeffrey kicks a couple, and the Gold Coast Suns cut the margin at quarter time. Jeffrey's got two. Almost perfect. Jeffrey with the flight couldn't quite hang on. Oh, he got it back and kicked it over his head. Joe Jeffries dead set, kicked the goal over his head in the goal square. It's his third, and it's the signature moment early in his career. Brilliant by Jeffrey. Oh, he's put something together today. He gets it where there was no chance of getting out of there. Quick to boot around the body. He's kicked his fourth. Top of the screen. Jeffrey takes the mark. Around the body he goes. He's kicked his fifth. If you don't mind. An incredible performance by Gold Coast Joel Jeffrey in game six. Five goals in the loss to the Dogs in a week where a family member passed away. The bags of goals just keep coming. In round 10, St. Star, of course, kicking six. And Charlie Kernow, six as well on Friday night too for the Blues. What a time it is to be a key forward. We'll unpack all of that and more right here on Sunday Crunch Time. Good morning, everybody. Great to have your company wherever you are listening today. We have a big Sunday afternoon of football coming up. The Giants and West Coast in Mark McVeigh's first game in charge at GWS. Hawthorne and Brisbane down in Utah's in Launceston. And then Fremantle and Collingwood, probably the pick 
of those three games this afternoon at Optus Stadium. A lot to come over the next couple of hours as we dissect what has happened so far in round 10. A, a change to our lineup this week. Josh Jenkins is out and coming in is a man who played over 200 AFL games. He also coached the Adelaide Cloros. It's a very good morning to Brenton Sanderson. Hello, Nat. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's been, I mean, how, how good's this round of footy been? Oh. But this year has been great too. Like every week we are spoiled for so many great games of footy and uh, the game's in great shape. And again, you know, it's Sunday morning, but we've already seen some fantastic footy, you know, even back to Friday night. Yeah. That game was such oh. a good start to the round. Um, Carlton versus the Swans. That was brilliant. And then, yeah, we were spoiled yesterday with some absolute rippers again. Yeah, it's been a magnificent Sir Doug Nichols round so far. Um, we've had really moving welcome to countries. Incredible yep. scenes too at the MCG last night with Dreamtime returning to the MCG. A spine-tingling war cry with Richmond. They're incorporated their whole entire brilliant. team. That How was, brilliant was that? Oh, and that's just what our industry does so well to celebrate this round and the way that just to see, like you said, the welcome to country across all of the games so far has been really emotional, really um, uh, really special, particularly, you know, to see those Indigenous players from each team come in and toss the coin and, yep. um, you know, how they swap the gifts yeah, and have the photos. It's uh, it's very special. And um, even for my kids, like my, my, my kids have loved all the different jumpers this round too. You know, my son was asking me why they were wearing different colours and jumpers, but it's, you know, to explain why we're doing it and... Um, yeah, it's 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 a very special round. It is. The designs are magnificent indeed. So five big games of footy yesterday, a couple not so exciting, a couple that were more intriguing. What are your couple of likes, I guess, from what we saw yesterday so far? Well, I did the Suns and Bulldogs game, and that was an absolute ripper. Like both teams were um, sitting, um, you know, just outside the eight, and yep. Suns had a couple of great wins um, coming into that game against uh, Fremantle and the Swans. And it was, yeah, if they could get over the Bulldogs with then two games in Darwin against Hawthorne and Kangaroos, they could have gone to the bye in the eight, which mm. would have been so exciting for that young Suns team. And they showed so much grit and determination yesterday in Ballarat. They didn't get the points, but, God, they never gave up. They were excellent. And, you know, we, we heard the highlights in the opener. Joel Jeffrey with his five goals Incredible. was awesome. Um, he was so good. But... The Bulldogs, um, they've starting to click into gear a bit now. They've been a little bit inconsistent. We've seen the best and the worst of the mm. Western Bulldogs so far this year, but uh, they were great. And I love Bontempelli. His, his last quarter in particular played a combination of forward and midfield, which we've seen a little bit more this year from the Bont, but he was great. Kicked three goals, was um, I think six or seven clearances in the game, 20-plus uh, possessions. Uh, he, he, he was excellent. So I, I watched that game really closely, obviously, and I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a really, really good contest. And, I mean, Gold Coast really could have, um, and we'll get into that a little bit more later on in, in the show, but they really could have clinched the, the win too. But the dog's just so classy in clutch moments. And you mentioned Marcus Bontempelli there. He was incredible as well. Anything that you didn't quite like so far? Well, the thing that um, I know it frustrates us coaches and it frustrates supporters, uh, the inaccuracy now has just creeping in again. So the Ooh, Bulldogs yeah. yesterday, 15 goals, 16. Mm. But a lot of that was shots from outside 50 and they just couldn't quite get inside, um, you know, closer to goal to get those easier shots. Cost the Crows last night against the Saints. Um, nine goals, 15. Um, and, you know, Max King six, kicks six goals straight just to rub some salt into the wound for those Crows 
fans. But they had the opportunities, the Crows. Um, you know, it was a really good game last night. And the Saints, they're, um, they're exciting to watch. They've, uh, I know having Higgins and Steele out of that side were big losses. And I know it was a big watch. It could have been an upset last night in that game. But, uh, yeah, King obviously was the difference with the six goals. Saints keep rolling. And Crows have lost four in a row now. I know they've... A little bit like the Suns. They're, um, the Suns are a bit more advanced, I think, than the Crows at the moment. But, yeah, four losses to, in a row for the Crows, despite, you know, liking a lot of things that we mm. see. Um, but it looks like their rebuild just might be, you know, a little bit longer than what they were hoping and anticipating. But um, some still promising signs. But the other thing I did, I mentioned about the Cats, 11 goals, 16. So the inaccuracy there creeping in. But their second half was awesome, um, the Cats. Port Adelaide in front, uh, coming off four wins in a row at halftime. They were they were really pushing Geelong, and then they just hit the turbo button after halftime. The Cats, they were excellent. And, you know, Cameron's torpedo from outside 50 <laughs> right on the three-quarter time siren was that. something that really got the crowd and obviously the players going. So, like I said, Nat, it's been a really great round to this point. And obviously, three more games to go. I like what you said about uh, the Pies and Fremantle. Well, that's going to be a nice watch later on this afternoon. Uh, so where the Pies can arrest their their little form slump as well. Yeah. Um, haven't quite got going in the last month. But, um, yeah, we know Fremantle look like there might be the real deal as well. So Yeah, it, I'll be interested be to watch. see how Fremantle bounce back after last week. I mean, that was a really tough, hard slog yeah. against the Gold Coast Suns. So I'm keen to see how they bounce back. I do have Frio winning that one, though, given the Optus Stadium. You, How are you seeing that one Yeah, I think so. Out? I think so. And what I've been most impressed about, and I know, obviously, Justin Longmuir really well, and he you know, worked together at Collingwood. He's, he really rates the defensive scheme in the system. And the games that they've won this year, they've done that so well. Like, I obviously saw them beat Geelong in Geelong a few weeks ago, and they just strangled the Cats. The Cats yeah. had nowhere to go. Um, and I think over there in Perth today, Optus Stadium, a ground they've obviously played pretty well at this year. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether, you know, the Collingwood side could get the ball outside the contest and run and get some speed onto the game. Um, but, yeah, it looks like Fremantle will obviously go into that game favourites. And, yeah, they're going to they're gonna push for September this year, Fremantle. It's a really it's a really nice story out there in the West, what they've, been, what they've been able to achieve so far this year. Yeah, I absolutely love Freo and what Justin Longmuir has done there so far. So we're approaching nearly the halfway mark of the season. It goes so quickly once it gets rolling, yeah, doesn't it? So round 10, after 10 rounds of footy, and we've still got those three games, as we mentioned, to come today, what do you think we can take away from these first 10 rounds? Apart from the fact that Melbourne at 10 and 0 or Nam as they have been rebranded for yep. Sir Doug Nichols round they sit pretty 10 and 0 they actually have won 17 straight games now if you look back to to last season the record is 23 the VFL AFL yep. record which was set by the Cats in the 50s wow do you reckon they can get that one they can yeah they um and i think now when you ask me what what do we what have we learned around 10 i think we know now and the, the ladder really changes from this point on. I mean, yeah. that sort of seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth spot sort of changes around a little bit sort of here and there as the season goes on. But I think you can be quite confident now where we sort of sit with the contenders. And Melbourne just look like they're so fit. They've got so much depth. Um, they're playing great footy. They understand what their brand is. They bring that every week. Um, you know, despite probably not being at their best yesterday mm. against North Melbourne, they did what... They, they had to do, to, do uh, to get to get that win. But I've got Melbourne obviously in a tier. If you if you look at the ladder, 
and we have the, we separate it with the top eight and obviously then the bottom ten. I think Melbourne would be on a tier just completely on their own. Like they're obviously yeah. um, the team that we're all chasing. Under that, I've got Brisbane, um, obviously, as the clear yeah. uh, challenger and probably in a tier on their own as well. So I think that second spot is just Brisbane's at yep. the moment. And then the third tier, I would have then four or five teams. So teams like Carlton, I think obviously they're the real deal. St Kilda are going to be a good challenger. I've still got the Swans and Geelong in there, but they haven't really got clicking yet. Mm. Um, and then it probably is that sort of next – and Fremantle, obviously. Yep. Um, Defensively, I think their scheme is excellent. And then you've got those chasers, the ones that now are, are probably – I wouldn't have them in that tier, but they're probably the next uh, The next tier down would be like Port Adelaide and Western Bulldogs who still at their best we know are going to be challengers. Now, whether they're, they're good enough to challenge Melbourne and you know maybe Brisbane, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how the second half of the season unfolds. You know, what happens with those sides – who we think are not going to make it or we know yeah. are not going to make it. So West Coast, um, you know, Kangaroos, Essendon, Essendon now are two and eight. Mm. So that makes it obviously almost impossible. Although mathematically, you'd never give up until it is mathematically impossible. But so what do they do? So if, you, if you've got sides coming up against them and they're going to, you know, start playing the kids and try some different things, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Because, I mean, some of those sides, some of those challenges still have a really tough draw to come. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that how it unfolds. But what I the question is what are, what have we learnt to round ten? I think we're chasing Melbourne, um, and to some degree we're chasing Brisbane still a bit as well. I think they're fantastic, and it's what happens with those 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 sort of middle tier teams: Carlton, St Kilda, the Swans, Geelong, Fremantle, and then what happens with Port and Western Bulldogs? In what about the Tigers? Because they're the one for me where come finals. There is no team that would want to play Richmond, in particular if it's at the MCG, which Agreed. we know they yep. play so well. So I would not want to face the Tigers. And they're just such an interesting prospect. And, and we will chat more about the Dreamtime game later, but the fact that they're starting to get all the pieces of the puzzle. I know they've had two crucial injuries last night, Tom Lynch and, and Kane Lambert. And, Lambert, and yep. we need to see what and how long they will be out for. But... It just seems like they're starting to get their momentum. Dusty's back into the side. Um, some of the younger kids are really standing up in that midfield group as well. Liam Baker, Jaden Short. So it's kind of a revamped midfield that's doing some really nice things. And they're just the wild card to me. They are, Nat. And when you look at their last month, so they obviously win last night by 32 points. They beat Hawthorne by 23, Collingwood by 27, and the Eagles by 109. And that was the game that really got them rolling again. Yep. But the week before that was the loss to Melbourne by 22 points, which is not yeah. bad. But that's – always say now, if you want to know where you sit, play Melbourne or Brisbane. Yep. So if I'm Richmond at the moment, I'm saying, okay, we're about a three-goal worse offside than Melbourne. That's our, that's our challenge is to get – find three goals – well, Dusty's the probably, is and Dusty the three-goal difference? Be that wild card. But now that they sit six and four, they've got a percentage of 120, obviously, mm. on the back of that big win against the Eagles. But look at their draw. So they play the Swans next week. Then they've got the bye, the reset. Everyone yep. um, catches their breath. Uh, coaches will do a mid-season review. They'll work out the areas that they need to get better at. After the bye, they play Port Adelaide, Carlton, and Geelong. So that's a that's a team where I, that's mm. a team where I'm, I'm saying they've still got a really difficult you know, block of games to come up. So we will still learn a lot about Richmond um, in this sort of middle part of the season. But, yeah, they 
Swans, that's a great game next week. Oh. Richmond, and it just said the, the season just keeps producing absolute pearlers for us. Then they go to the bye, but um, we'll probably talk about this game later, Nat, but, you know, you just look at it in the moment. They've got speed. They've got genuine speed everywhere in this team, whether it's uh, whether it's Baker. Um, the Riolis were awesome again last night. Bolton. Yep. Um, they're just really fast again, which which is excellent. But you're right. We'll talk about Lynch's injury and the importance of Lambert. Um, but, yeah, uh, Dusty coming back, it's fantastic. He's um, he's that wild card, and Richmond are probably that wild card in the season so far. Yeah, no, well, it's been an exciting season to date so far. Still to come on Sunday, crunch time after midday, we will be joined by Bulldog Ed Richards and injured GWS midfielder Jacob Hopper will join us too as we look to preview the Giants and the Eagles game. We will chat Dreamtime at the G after this short break. You're listening to Crunch Time, South Australia Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops will be taking calls all weekend on the Kogan open line. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile from $2.90 for 30 days with a big 20 gig of data. It's great to have your company wherever you're listening this Sunday morning. Nat Edwards and Brenton Sanderson with you as we dive into dream time at the G last night. It returned after a two-year hiatus uh, the Tigers, though, continuing their run, a fourth straight win in a row, dismantling the Bombers. The final score, 11-14-80. The Tigers defeating Essendon, 7-6-48. The Tigers, 6-4. and four. Essendon, you'd think, at 2-8. and eight. That is their season pretty much done and dusted, Sando. Yeah, unfortunately, and we probably didn't really see that coming. I mean, they had that, that really good summer of, um, you know, positive – sort of, I guess, stories around their improvements last yeah. year and their young players coming in. and Making finals. Yeah, yeah. There was so much good energy around the Bombers and unfortunately they had that really difficult start to the season where they just couldn't get, you know, those two or three wins together that they needed to get their confidence going. And um, they've still got those good young players on the list where we just haven't quite seen the development yet, the stepping up and, um, you know, despite some really good numbers, it just feels like their midfield just can't quite get on top of their opposition midfield at the moment. And I did like their tackle pressure last night and their energy. I know they had a big week on the track and yeah. the rumours coming out of training during the week was, you know, they really had a physical, um, you know, match intensity type week on the track to try and sort of replicate um, what the energy and the tackle pressure had to be like into the game. And we saw that last night. They out, they certainly out-tackled Richmond. They um, did. They were fantastic around the footy and they just couldn't sustain it. They just lucked, you know, lacked a little bit of... Um, system perhaps going in forward 50 again uh you know Terence's job on Peter Wright was excellent so good um and they just yeah they just couldn't quite sustain that energy and that pressure that once the game opened up Richmond's speed started to get going you know Prestia was excellent 36 disposals and six clearances I liked Baker um Short's having a fantastic Mm. year another 29 possessions he's become their that sort of link player between the arcs for them Excellent decision maker, never wasted disposal. He's been really important for Richmond. And I mentioned before the break, I 
How exciting is it watching those two Rioli boys, you know, one up either end. Daniel Rioli's having a great season. Yeah, just the way he kicks the ball, that run and carry, and, and he's such a beautiful kick too. A couple of really beautifully weighted kicks into the forward line just for Jack Rewald and Tom Lynch. I mean, you can't be happy with that. No, no, and he's he takes them forward. He, mm. he, he Whenever he gets his hands on the footy, they just go forward, Richmond, and they go forward fast, and that's what I've, I've really enjoyed about Almost Richmond's, uh, Richmond's resurgence in this last month has been a lot of, a lot of good energy, um, a lot of good spread. I love their hunt um, from contest to contest, and I, saw, I said about um, the other Rioli, Morris Rioli, last night, and the hairs on the back of my neck yeah. were standing up in that second quarter. Those two goals. Those two goals. That was just brilliant, particularly on the occasion, you know, and um, you know the C's teammates get around, and that's what I love about Richmond as well. Their culture, the way they share their goals, you know. Um, who did Rewalt handle the ball to in the goal square? Uh, Edwards, yep. you know, they, they, they just show they've got so much care for each other. That culture that they've built at Richmond over the selfless last seven football. or eight years, yep. that selfless culture now um, is excellent. But, you know, they had eight more inside 50s last night, 10 more contested possessions. They probably beat Essendon in the aerial battle. You know, they, they seem to win a lot more aerial contests. But Essendon, despite the loss, um, we saw a, a pretty consistent um, energy around, you know, defence and tackling and pressure, which which would have pleased uh, uh, Ben Rutten, but obviously not their supporters because they're dying to win. They would love to scrape a few more wins together, the Bombers fans. But, um, yeah, it's just, a, just, just so far a disappointing season for them. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that tackling pressure. That was the big headline, wasn't it, out of, out of last week's game against the Swans, only 30 tackles. They had 20 yep. in the first term alone. So you could tell they were up and about, re-energised. As you say, uh, mouth guards were out during the week at training. They, they flew the flag in those physical confrontations. They showed that effort and intensity. And this is what coach Ben Rutten had to say about the physical response after the game. Yeah, yeah. So I think we we're pleased with the response there and we're kind of finding that level of the expectation, you know, that, that that's um, we don't want to do that just because we've got a poor performance. That now, you know, that needs to become our level. Um, yeah, we've shown, you know, some consistency. I think our, our second quarter we dropped away. You know, we were um, Richmond were able to get a fair bit of get some momentum in that second quarter. You know, our pressure, our tackle stuff dropped off. Yeah, you know, they got momentum on the back of it. So. We spoke about that at halftime and, and how we needed to get back to that, that level and that was the, the cornerstone of the game and um, I thought the way that we even were able to respond in game and to be able to do that, it was, yeah, it was pleasing. Yeah, but in the end, I think Richmond just yeah, had a bit more class. They took the most of opportunities, won some critical moments, fundamental stuff. They were just better across the night than us. Um, yeah, that was probably the result. I'm keen to get your view, Sando, on this because there was a clear intent to come out, be aggressive, be more physical. There were multiple scuffles and and little breakouts, you know, throughout the night. I was listening to Kane Corns on the round so far on AFL.com.au earlier this morning. He actually said it was too over the top and that he felt that it was actually embarrassing and a little bit fake. What did you make of it? And as as a coach, would you rather that it was manufactured in some way anyway, just to show that there is that level of, of care? Yeah, good question. Now, that's, obviously, they've it's been an area of focus that they have felt like, I guess, externally, they've been pressured a lot mm. by the way that they've handled uh, being challenged. And, yep. you know, we saw what happened against the Swans the previous week. Like you said, only 30 tackles and 
that famous um, vision that they call <laughs> Luke, Luke Parker. Parker, you know. So obviously the players will chat and the coaches will get together and say, we can't be seen externally as as being a soft team. Yeah. We, we have to have moments in games where we stand up for each other and we 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 be the aggressor, not be bullied. And um, whether it's manufactured or not, I think it was better to see last night that they were, they were a lot more aggressive around the contest and you just would love to be able to, you know, just point to the scoreboard and say, listen, we're in front and we're playing this contested style. But it was better last night. Their stoppage and clearance work and um, their ability to win contests was so much better. But they're just, at the moment, they're not spreading from contest to contest at the speed that, you know, Richmond were last night. I thought that was the difference. When the game was really on the line, Richmond were able to spread harder. Uh, they were able to work harder from contest to contest. And some of those... Uh, uh, SNM players last night still had really good games. You know, Parrish had another monster game disposal-wise. And some of the kids were good too. You know, I like Hobbs and Perkins. Mm. You know, I'm a big fan of Draper. You know, Martin's been a revelation this year. He's been excellent. Durham's a good pl- a good young player. So that piece of the jigsaw is in place. Those young players are there. They just need to take the next step again. And they uh, they just need to continue to show great leadership and great aggression on field. And that'll be reflected on the scoreboard. But unfortunately... I've said this a few times this year, when you look at their system going inside forward 50, unless Peter Wright has a really good game and hits the scoreboard, their avenue to score is just not quite there at the moment. You know, um, whether it's Stringer or Wright, um, it feels like they need more ways to score than what they are at the moment. And if you look at the sides that are in the the top four or the top six at the moment, um, there's multiple options for them to score. But it feels like at the moment, unfortunately for Essendon and the fans, it's it's sort of Peter Wright or or, not, or sort of nothing at the yeah. moment. So, you know, Tarrant did a great job last night in limiting Wright's influence on the game. So then it's up to their midfielders or some of those, you know, half forwards, um, you know, whether it is Martin or, or Perkins or Hobbs, you know, they're sort of relying on those sort of smaller forwards to hit the scoreboard, which you can't. If you're going to be a top four side, you need more avenues to go. Yeah, I think. and Jake String is that, that perfect person that we're, we're talking about to kind of come in and impact. He's so influential and so crucial um, to the Bombers. The other one, though, that they'd sort of been waiting and hoping would be able to come back is Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody, who, yep. you know, in 2020 was their leading goal kicker. He just provides so much spark and he's dangerous every time he gets the ball and his pressure as well. Um, and retiring on Friday, that announced that to the group, which is really sad because he's been an incredible player, cult figure yep. um, at SNM for such a long time. A band even wrote a song about him, which yep. I absolutely yes. love. Um, after 126 games, 153 goals, it's a shame that, you know, this is where it's come to. Unfortunately, he's had to um, retire probably prematurely, but they really miss him as well. Yeah, they do. And it was great to see him out on the ground pre-game, you yeah. know, uh, in such a emotional time for him and his family and his supporters. It's been a great football story to, for him to be given the opportunity, you know, when those players were suspended um, and to then forge a great career. And he's, as you said, Nat, become such a cult figure, um, not just for Essendon fans, but for the industry. Everyone's just loved watching him play. So it was, it was tough last night to see him, you know, say goodbye to his teammates and obviously to the football community um, and they're going to miss him because he was a sometimes he would be the spark yeah. that Essendon needed and even watching last night I thought you know it would be great to have him out there because he he would tackle and chase yep. and pressure and create goals and he lifts the team he's kicked he? some horse as well and he's yeah. you know some threes and fours and fives in his in his short career so yeah sad sad moment last night we'll definitely miss 
seeing him out in the field for for the Bombers. Well, the coach Ben Rutten paid tribute to Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody after the game. I mean, we've we've been you know, working really closely as a football club with Anthony and and trying to help support him best we can um, on and off the field to be able to get him back to to playing back at AFL level. You know, that was always always what we were trying to do. It was always what he'd been trying to do. But you know, I think it got to a stage where he was you know, really clearly um, able to articulate that. You know, probably his, his head and his heart weren't quite on the same page. Um, he'd been wrestling with that. And, you know, AFL is a brutal, brutal game of footy, you know. And it's sad and disappointing, but it's also, geez, it's a... We need to celebrate Waller, you know. I think where he's come from, his story is so unique. It, you know, paves the way, I think, for a lot of... Um, yeah, Indigenous people that come through, the Indigenous players that come through, you know, the resilience that he's had to show throughout his whole life and to be able to play one AFL game of footy um, was a huge achievement. But, you know, for him to play and have the contribution for our footy club that he's had, um, the boys wore his, the Guernsey that, that he designed, you know. So I think, you know, in some ways it was a really nice way for him to go out. He was really comfortable with it. Um, we tried to give him different options about playing, you know, playing in the VFL, wearing his jumper, but he was really clear. No, this is what I this is what I want it to look like. Uh, really comfortable with it. So, yeah, we supported him with that. So, um, yeah, I think it's yeah, he's going to have one of the best highlight reels you can get. I think out of his out of his playing career, and it's a testament to him. I think about his resilience and him as a person. And we wish Waller all the best in the next chapter after footy. Let's talk about the Tigers. And we and we sort of spoke off the top about, you know, where they could potentially go. They're that wild card when it comes to finals. They're so dangerous. Four wins in a row now. They're starting to really get humming again after a, a tough start to, to the year. They've had a lot of injury issues and personnel issues. And we thought last week that, Yep, they're getting all the pieces of the puzzle back together. They lost Noah Bolter with that hamstring and then last week. And then this week, Tom Lynch appears to have done a hamstring injury. And then uh, someone else who is probably fairly underrated outside of the football club, but Kane Lambert. I mean, no surprise that since his return to the team, the team has won four games yep. in a row, really. He's had a, a hip issue. There's, he's been battling. Um, and Damien Hardwick even said after the game, he didn't think he'd be able to string four games together, that they thought maybe he'd, they'd only get one or two before they'd have to give him a rest. So yep. this hip issue has flared up again, unfortunately. And we don't know how long he's going to miss. So two crucial injuries for the Tigers now. Yeah, well, Lambert, and like you said, Nat, probably externally he doesn't get the credit that he deserves because he's he's really important to the Richmond side. And obviously, um, I'm not at Collingwood anymore, but in the five years that I was mm. coaching at Collingwood, we used to tag Lambert. Now, people didn't – that never got out, but uh, we used – because how, how it works with Dusty Martin. So Dusty Martin takes the centre bounce. Yep. Um, and people know this already. I'm not giving away any secrets here. But Dusty Martin is it comes up to every stoppage and takes the centre bounces. And then Lambert starts forward. And then Lambert sort of comes up and they like ships Stitch. in the night. Uh, yep. They, yep. Dusty Martin ends up forward and Lambert becomes like a midfielder, like a seventh midfielder. So what we used to do is uh, someone like Chris Main, who's obviously retired now as yep. well. But so Main would start on Lambert. And then when Lambert would come up into the midfield, Mainy would follow him. And then as Dusty would sort of drift forward, someone like Maynard would pick up um, uh, Martin when he went forward. So 
that's how much Collingwood rated yeah. Cam Lambert. So he he's a big out, and he um, effectively is another midfielder out of that out of that group. But yeah, it's um, when you look at their squad, you know, and they're they're aging, and I know you got to say that very carefully because there's so much experience there. But they've still got some incredible talent through that midfield, even with Lambert out. And they, we said Martin obviously comes back in. Prestia is so important, and yeah. you know, he's had his injury uh, setbacks, and he's always found it quite challenging to sort of string a season, a full season together. When he does, we saw him win the best and fairest. So mm. he's he's pivotal, Prestia. So 36 disposals last night, I mentioned before, six clearances. Um, he wins best player on the ground. He was he was excellent. Um, Baker was really important. They've still got Edwards, um, Vlostone, you know, back last night and looked great across half back. He's really important. McIntosh is really important. I like young Jack Ross. Who, mm. You know, we don't really talk about him much, so we'll probably see him get a bit more midfield time now. Um, and Bolton's the other one. You know, he's that class, explosive, so, so much speed um, around the contest. So they've still got the depth there, you know, despite the Lambert injury. So they can probably cover it depending on how long it'll be. Um, the Lynch hamstring's interesting. He's been in all Australian form, like career best yep. form. For four mine. points last night. No yeah. goals for. But, uh, he, had a, he had an off night last night, but then that's okay because Jack Rewalt kicks four goals too. So, yep. you know, with the twin towers there, that's what makes Richmond's forward line also so dynamic. And then you add Dustin in the mix. But yep. so it's going to be tough. Well, he, hamstrings typically three weeks, 21 days, same thing. But um, Well, they've got the bye in there too, so the that's okay. The bye is important. Yeah, so we talked about it before. They've got the Swans. That's going to be a great game. I can't wait for that next week. Then the bye... And then Port Adelaide after. So potentially Lynch misses two, two actual matches despite the three-week injury. Um, but, yeah, if I was Richmond, maybe you go another week because if they're going to be in the mix, you need Lynch fit and firing for sure. Um, and Rewalt, as great as he was last night, um, he is, is at the stage of his career he probably can't carry that forward no. line for you know the rest of the season. So take your time with Lynch. Make sure you get his body right. He's obviously, like you said, Nat, he's – all Australian centre half forward the way he's been playing this year. So, yeah, give him give him a good break. Make sure he comes back fit and firing. And yeah, I'm really excited about what Richmond potentially can show us again in that second half of the season because all the pieces of the jigsaw are there still. It's it's good. Yeah, it's very good. And they've, you know, discovered new players as well. Jack Graham, I think, uh, might also be able to come back into the side. Um, he's, he was out with a toe injury last night. So we'll see what the Tigers can produce in the coming weeks. Like you said, that Friday night clash, I'm already looking forward to that one. It's circled in the calendar. All right. After the break, we're going to talk about the battle at Ballarat, the game that you covered yesterday, the Bulldogs and the Suns. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia. Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. Yeah, it didn't necessarily demand consistency. That's the headline from the sub-editor, um, which annoys me. Um, what I said was um, how uh, our mandate is to try and establish consistency, um, which is not uh, not totally uh, indifferent. But um, look, in a game, probably a low possession game, uh, a game where the opposition kicked it a lot, didn't handball a lot. Um, you know, probably felt throughout the course of the game that um, you know, we, we had momentum and then we just 
you know, they spiked and, and uh, credit to them, they kept coming. You know, their perseverance was strong. Uh, so they're, they're improving all the time, the Suns. And, and, and also there were some fundamentals where we probably let ourselves down uh, in certain situations. But uh, for our lads to hold their nerve and um, continue to, to come again and then uh, get little margins here and there. And then at the end, I think we, uh, we definitely stabilised you know, when they were coming, it was uh, it was encouraging. So uh, you know, we're really enthusiastic about the the day and and obviously the outcome. Western Bulldogs coach there, Luke Beveridge, pretty happy after encouraging signs as he said the dogs staving off a plucky Gold Coast Suns outfit by 19 points down in Ballarat. Yesterday, the final score, Bulldogs 15-16-106, defeating the Gold Coast Suns 13-9-87. The win takes the dogs to a 5-5 five and five record, Sando. They're just outside the top eight. It's the first time this season they've managed to string back-to-back wins together. Um, wh- where do you see the Bulldogs and, and where they're at? You watched this game closely yesterday and, and Bevo talks about the inconsistencies and trying to get that consistency. Do you think this is something to kind of build from? Yeah, I, I really liked both sides yesterday. I know there has to be a winner and a loser, mm. but I took away two winners from this game. And I, I loved watch, uh, watching the grit and determination of the Bulldogs yesterday. They weren't at their best for four quarters. Yep. Uh, but when it really mattered, they they showed an incredible resolve. I talked about Bontempelli, great captain's game. I know it's a cliche, but he kicked captain's goals in the last quarter yesterday to really stabilise and steady the ship when the Suns were coming at them really hard. But um, their midfield is amazing. Like, they've probably got the greatest depth of all the teams. Probably those in – well, their their midfield and Carlton's midfield, I think, have the most depth. And at times yesterday, they had to rely on – particularly when they were exiting D50, they had to kick it to, like, a midfield group because you need, you need two Nortons. You need a Norton inside 50 and a Norton <laughs> up on the wing. Yes. Um, to try and, you know, have that uh, that sort of aerial. And they obviously really miss Tim English because yeah. he's a – He's a great aerial player as well. I thought Jordan Sweet tried his heart out yesterday against tough Wits. Tough gig against Wits, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that was a really good contest. Um, you know, Sweet had um, some really good hits to advantage that the Bulldogs capitalised on, and Wits was excellent again. But, yeah, the Dogs did impress me, I must admit. They they were able to get the ball outside the contest, get some overlap run and carry going. They accessed the, the corridor at times. They looked really good. They were plus 13 in clearances, and I talked about the domination of their midfield. They're excellent. They were plus 19 in contested possessions, so they, they were really hard around the contest. But it was the uncontested possessions for me, their ability to get outside and run at, at, at different times. I think they had 65 more uncontested possessions uh, than the Suns team. But it was interesting, that because the Suns went in with a really unusual game style or a, a, a strategy against the Bulldogs. Whenever the ball was in their back half, the Suns, they went really slow, they went really wide, they played more east-west than sort of north-south. Yep. Eh? And I think the Suns this year have looked so good when they've taken the game on offensively. And they've been more direct when they've tried to go fast into inside their forward line, um, you know, to Casbolt and Chole. They're great stories this year. Casbolt going into this game had 20 goals. Chole had 19 goals. Those two boys were quiet yesterday. But, um, yeah, after halftime, the Suns changed it around. They said, all right, it's enough of going slow and wide yeah. in the back half. Let's just try and go fast. Let's try and go back to our DNA. which is paid off. They were great. They were really good. And when you look at the Suns, but, you know, particularly over the last three or four seasons, we've 
probably challenge them a little bit when a side like the Western Bulldogs yesterday got away to a like a five or six goal break. That would be it for the Suns. You know, they would not put up the white flag, but that would be the game would sort of blow out to an eight or ten goal loss. But we didn't see that yesterday. Every you know the the Bulldogs when they did get five or six goals in front. The Suns would just grit their teeth and come again. Mm-hmm. It was great. They were fantastic. Their ability to arrest momentum at different times. Um, when they got challenged, um, the Bulldogs didn't go on a big scoring run. The Suns were able to fight back. And in simple terms, they were harder for longer yesterday, the Suns. So rather than playing you know, well for sort of three quarters, three and a bit quarters, they played well for four quarters yesterday, the Suns. And it got within eight points with a couple of minutes to go. So it was fantastic that... The Rory Thompson injury, though, is is a tough one because yeah. with him coming back, it just allowed like Ballard to not play as that second tall. Yep. He could play as a sort of a third tall, play on that medium size forward and come across and you know help help defend you know players like Norton. Um, but yeah, they've just got to take care of the footy a bit more. I think the Suns they they have bad turnovers. At bad times of the game. But um, there were some really exciting moments yesterday for the Yeah, Saints. and I think it shows a maturity of where they're growing to as as a club as well and as a young side, not sort of laying down in those situations where they are, they're able to still challenge and, and stay up with those sides. You mentioned Rory Thompson. Uh, Stuart Dew said after the game that they weren't fearing the worst. He'll still have to have scans, but it didn't look great because he was in a knee brace after the game. So we'll wait and see what happens with that one. I'm curious from a coaching perspective because the the Gold Coast Suns obviously have a new game plan and a new game style in, in 2022. How much do you look, what's the balance, I guess, from just staying true to that game style each and every week as you're trying to learn it over the 10 rounds so far as a young group? And then versus switching it up when you're playing against an opponent like the Bulldogs and changing things around because, you know, how much do you focus on exactly what you're doing rather than worrying about what the dogs are doing? Yeah, I normally talk about it as being like an 80-20 type rule where during a week when you're preparing for the opposition, you spend 80% of the week focusing on you and and what you do well and your strategies going into this game to execute to win the game. And you sort of spend about 20% on the opposition. So yep. this week they would have probably looked at the Western Bulldogs. But the delicate art is not to is not to pump up the opposition so much that you feel like you're telling your players, we can't beat this team because they're so good. So the challenge would have been yesterday for the Gold Coast Suns is you look at their midfield, you know, when you look at McRae, Bontempelli, Trelaw, um, Smith, and you say – this is a good team. You know, they're very, they're very good at contest and clearance and stoppage. So we're going to – but that's also what we're really good at. We've got the number one hit-out ruckman in the competition in wits, and we've got a great young emerging midfield too with Anderson and Rao. You know, Swallow was very good yesterday. He wound back the clock. You know, yep. he, was, he, he, he was excellent with his grit around the contest. You know, Ellis had a really good game on the wing. So you sort of try and say, this is what a side does really well. This is how we're going to combat it, but don't fear it. This is – and if we do get challenged – we can go to plan B and plan C in our in our game style, which is still going to be really effective. But what we've seen with the Gold Coast Suns this year, which has really impressed me, is their ability to play contest and clearance and spread and hunt pressure um, has been at a level which I've never seen from the Suns. So that's been really great. And, and they called upon that yesterday. Their small forwards were excellent. Um, Ainsworth had another great game. He's having a really good season, Such a Ben good Ainsworth. Season. Yeah. yeah, three goals I said yesterday. yesterday in the call, he reminds me a little bit of Jamie Elliott from Collingwood. Mm. Um, small forward, but great aerial, but really quick, really good at ground level, really classy. 
Um, and the other player that was great when it really mattered was Isaac Rankin. Yeah. He he was quiet in the first half, but he really got going in the and second half. And his last month or five, six weeks of footy has been really, really good. We're try- sort of seeing that consistency from performance from him like we have with the Gold Coast Suns themselves as a team. I want to ask you about Aaron Norton because he was unstoppable early on in the game. He took four contested marks, kicked two goals, one on Sam Collins in the first term. Collins fought back as the game wore, and I think Rory Thompson was switched over. But this was Coach Luke Beveridge after the game when asked about Aaron Norton's influence in the second half. Yeah, I've got to be really careful here. Because yeah. um, he's, he's been so dominant. Um, and then, yeah, there are reasons why he wasn't in the second half. That's all I'll say. Okay. That, that niggling nah. thing at all? No. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do some follow-up, but... Um, he, uh, you know, he kept fighting, kept bringing the ball to ground, and that's what he does. Um, so we'll, we'll work our way through it through the course of the week. But, um, yeah, he, he was just outstanding in that first half. You know, he, he was so dominant. And it's a shame he, he probably left a couple out there. He missed a couple he should have kicked. And uh, it'd be nice for him to walk away with a bit more than just three. But um, really influential game. And obviously made it harder for him when they, they lost Thompson. Um, but um, but you know I think he was already getting the better of uh, of him as well as uh, Collins at the start. So it, it's just important for him and he's uh, um, on his journey and us. Is that some of the blocking maybe in the second half? I don't oh, think trouble, but... again, uh, yeah, I've got to be really careful. Got to walk a fine line, Luke. Beveridge, he's yeah. said, though, he's going to follow it up during the week. Did you see much from from those yeah. contests? There was a fair bit of niggle between. Oh, of course, yeah. And, you know, Norton's a star. We know that. And if he if you can allow him with a clean run and jump at the contest, not even a clean run and jump, he, he just jumps and flies from anywhere and he's got incredible, incredible hands. He's, um, well, arguably the best key forward in the competition at the more at the, at the moment you know yep. you put him in the same same bracket as uh lynch from richmond and you know max cameron King's and hawkins there, yeah. and max king Kerno. you know we're kerno we're we're really blessed at the moment with with key forwards but yeah what what they were trying to do he, he was dominant dominating the game and he had three goals at about the 15 second mark of the second quarter um and he missed an absolute sitter from about 15 metres out straight in front in the second quarter as well. So he should have had four in the yep. first half. Um, and the Suns played it pretty well. What they tried to do is with Collins, and Collins had a dark start to the game and Norton was on top, and they just started to you know, you know, know, hold him and play in front of him, try and prevent him to get that clean run and jump. And they tried to double-team him. So one, or Collins was trying to prevent him from getting a clean jump and then they'd have Ballard or one of the other, like Lemons would be the other one that would come across and third man jump sort of in. So obviously that frustrated uh, Luke Beveridge and like you said, he's obviously going to follow it up. But um, there was a few free kicks paid to Norton off the ball, which I think he was just frustrated and he was retaliating to that sort of close checking that Collins sort of reverted to up particularly after halftime. Yeah, well, he was so dominant in that first half. Sam Collins also fought back admirably, I think, after he was pretty much given a bath. And um, he's such a a great defender as well for the Gold Coast Suns. We've still got plenty more to come on Sunday crunch time. We're going to talk, obviously, about the three games of football that we have coming up this afternoon. The Giants and West Coast at Giants Stadium. Hawthorne and Brisbane at Utah's down in Launceston. Fremantle and Collingwood, that's the pick 
of the bunch. Optus Stadium, that's later this evening. So looking forward to that one. We'll have plenty more crunch time coming up after the break. Brenton Sanderson is here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock? Visit buymystock.com.au. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia. Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Crunch Time. This is the pre-game show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's great to have your company. If you're just joining us for the first time today, welcome. It's Nat Edwards and Brenton Sanderson with you. We have a big Sunday afternoon of footy coming up. The Giants and West Coast in Mark McVeigh's first game in charge at GWS. Then Hawthorne and Brisbane down in Launceston and then Fremantle and Collingwood to wrap up round 10 at Optus Stadium later this afternoon. And uh, we spent the first hour, Sando, talking about all the things that we we absolutely love from the round of footy so far. And we just spoke about the Bulldogs and Gold Coast game in depth. And Ed Richards from the Doggies uh, has been good enough to join us on Sunday Crunch Time. Ed, welcome to you and congratulations on the win yesterday. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. I mean, back-to-back wins for the first time since last year's final series. We've spoken a lot about the inconsistencies of the dogs and that search for the consistency. Do you feel now this might be a platform for you and the team to to gain some momentum from here? Yeah, I I definitely hope so. I mean, um, yeah, as you said, we've been struggling to find that sort of week-to-week consistency. So um, it was good to get sort of two wins in a row for once. I mean, I haven't been a part of couple wins in a row for since last year so it was um it was really really promising and really really good performance by us yesterday I mean in particular for you you had an excellent game I know that last year just the five games for you you broke your ankle in a VFL pracky match and it was a very interrupted season how frustrating was that for you and and just talk about you know where you've come to now settling into that new position in the back line yeah, it was extremely frustrating last year. Obviously, um, not getting as many, not getting as much playing time as I'd like. Whether that was VFL or AFL, um, just being on the sidelines for for majority of the year. Um, but I feel like I've been able to settle myself um, well this year in that playing off the half back, um, just complimenting a few of the boys down there, Bailey Dale and, and also Caleb, who are exceptional users of the footy. So. Um, yeah, just trying to complement and just be a strong defensive force for, for the boys around me. Ed, Brenton Sanderson here. Well played yesterday, mate. And the Suns really came at you a couple of times there. Like, you got out to a nice little buffer, um, and they just showed a bit yeah. of grit and determination. They kept coming. But you personally, 11 uh, marks yesterday, 20 disposals. Um, you look like you're so comfortable in that position now. Is this where you see your future, your future lying now? Yeah, definitely. I definitely see myself playing um, in that defence. I mean, sort of. It was um, just one of those days for me. I think the the I was reading the ball so well towards the back end of the game um, that yeah, just sort of just sort of fell in my lap a few times, which I was lucky enough to be standing there. Um, But yeah, definitely see myself playing the halfback um, with a few of the boys down there. I feel like we're going to start gelling with 
had the good sort of couple of the port game defensively for us was quite disappointing. Um, yep. So we've sort of had to go back to the drawing board a bit there. And then, um, yeah, the last two weeks have been quite strong defensively. But, yeah, full credit to the Suns. I mean, they came at us the, the whole day and they've been playing some good footy. So we had to respect them um, and really sort of take it up to them. Like you said, we had that little nice little buffer. But, um, yeah, they they kept coming right until the last sort of two minutes there, which was um, which was tough to, to combat. Now, footy is so competitive. We know that. And if, does it feel like, well, for me watching yesterday, are, are you keeping Bailey Williams out of defence? I mean, he, he played a very good game yesterday, but in a slightly different role. Um, yeah, he played he played really well yesterday on the wing. Um, I I don't know if I'm keeping him out of defence. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's obviously a great defender. I think he's just um, trying to, but just trying to find a new role um, with Bailey. He's obviously a super player, um, but yeah, I think Bevo's just trying to a few new things. Having um, you know, sort of struggling with that wing spot, um, sort of trying to keep someone there. So I think Bailey was just a, a good option. Um, he's a good sort of versatile player, good all-round player. So he was a good option for the wing spot. Yeah, he was fantastic. And I'll tell you another player, and if I'm a Bulldogs fan, I'm really excited about these two young men, which obviously we don't know much about yet. But the other player I liked across half-back yesterday was Luke Cleary. His 16 disposals, um, six marks. He he would looked really balanced and might have a, a fairly uh, strong competitive edge about him as well. Yeah, he's a very silky manoeuvre. Um, Luke, you see, he's um, done well in just his second game. Um, um, so, yeah, he's, he's slotted in nicely. Um, we've sort of been trying to help him and, uh, you know, get him get him going, get him confidence in his... Because he's only played a little amount of footy. Um but yeah, he was he was really really nice yesterday. And the other one I really liked too, and he was across half forward, kicked two two goals, sixteen disposals as well. Robbie McComb or McComb, he he looks like he's got a bit of grunt about him as well. Yeah, he's nice and tough. Rob. He's um, yeah, he played played well yesterday as well. Nice and efficient in front of goal, which is good. We weren't the we weren't amazing yesterday in terms of um, goal to points differential, but um, yeah, he was he was great as well yesterday. So what about that? The goal kicking, and I know it would be frustrating your fans, so you kicked, I think it was no goal six from outside 40 yesterday. So it's is it sometimes just the way that the opposition defend? Like you just can't get those good looks inside forward 50? Is it, I know that coaches would be reluctant to bring it up about your inaccuracy this season, but is it just a little bit about your system going inside 50? Um, yeah, I definitely think that is... Uh, something to do with it. I think the sort of the closer you get to goal, it's easier to kick them. So um, I think we've just got to practice, you know, hit the training deck this week and just practice, you know, shots outside outside 40. I think you said, what did you say? Oh, yeah, zero, kick, goes, zero goal six from outside 40, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, I guess it's the same we've got to work on it because you never know, it could hurt us later in the year. Um, but it was it's always good to sort of have um as many shots as we sort of did and um yeah it was i guess it's tough sort of getting the ball in and not converting and having to defend again but i think that if we just you know keep at it then 
um, we should we should be right. We should keep some some more goals. I mean, Naughty had a influential first half, yep. um, which was great to see, and got himself on the scoreboard. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can just you know keep working at it and become more efficient towards the back end of the year. On Aaron Norton, he was unstoppable. We we spoke about that, Sando, didn't we? In that yeah. in that first half, I mean, he was all over Sam Collins in particular in that first quarter. It wasn't as influential in that second term. There was a lot of niggle. He was sort of getting blocked off the ball a, a little bit in a situation like that. When you see, um, you know, your star forward struggling, does he need more help from his teammates? What what can you do as a, as a teammate to kind of help him out in that situation? And I guess it would be also easy for him to kind of drop his head and get really frustrated with the situation. Um, yeah, it's also such a um, key player for us. So um, it's difficult when when you sort of see him. Well, I guess he never really struggles. He's always somehow finds a way to get a hand to it, which mm. is still amazes me. Um, but yeah, I think the boys did quite a good job yesterday just trying to create a contest, which is something that we struggled with um, earlier in the year against Adelaide down in Ballarat. So that was the key focus just for the forwards this week, just trying to get the ball to ground, trying to make a contest. So I think all in all, they did a they did a great job. And um, Naughty especially, you know, like I said, he had an influential first half. And then um, the, some of the stuff he does off the ball as well um, goes sort of unnoticed. So um, he would still have been doing that in the second half, I'm sure. And, Getting us good looks at goal. So you're five and five now, just outside the top eight. And we talked about, you know, those two wins in a row and stringing that together. You still got maybe Tim English to come back in last week. I know he's been um, battling that that awful flu virus that's gone around and really struggled to come back. I mean, it's going to be great to get him back in the side, but. Where do you think, you know, you are as a group heading into into the bye and that might give you a good chance to, to reset? But are you confident and is the belief still there that you can really push into finals footy? Yeah, we're we're definitely very confident. I mean, the makeup of the team's changed a little bit from last year, um, just with a few boys being out with injuries and, and illnesses with Timmy as well. So um, we're hoping to get a few boys back and um, really strengthen up our all our line sort of and then um, really make a strong case for, for the finals later in, later in the year with the back half after the bye. Ed, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. Congrats again on the win yesterday and best of luck next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Ed Richards there, Western Bulldogs defender now. I mean, he's played everywhere, but certainly it feels like he's settling into that role of halfback. He was very good Nat, yesterday, yeah. Intercept possessions, his ability to lower eyes inside forward 50. And the Dogs have got the Eagles next week in Perth on a Saturday night, and then they follow that up with a really important game against the Cats uh, Friday night, June the 3rd. Then they got the bye. So they'd love to go in... The buy seven and five would mm. be would be their objective, obviously. And um, there's no easy games in footy uh, at the moment, obviously. But um, you know, I've got a feeling that we might be seeing the Bulldogs push into the top eight and cement their spot in that top eight in that second half of the season. Yeah, I certainly think they're still a threat when we look at that. And you talked about your tiered system at the top of the show. We've spoken about Dreamtime at the G, the Dogs and the Suns, a couple of other 
of the winners across Saturday. Obviously, Melbourne have continued their winning ways or NAM as they've been rebranded as. 14-6-100 getting the job done over North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium yesterday afternoon, 8-5-53. NAM's perfect run continues their 10-0. Now their 17th straight win dating back to, to last season. The longest VFL-AFL Winning streak is Geelong with 23. That was back in 1952 to 53. This is the D's next six. Frio, Sydney, Collingwood, the Lions, Crows and Cats. Do you think they can win all six of those to equal Geelong's record? Yeah, who knows? And isn't it great? Like we could talk about a side on those winning streaks like this. It's incredible and it's great recognition for for Nam, how um, you know dominant they've been, and they've—I mean, their their supporters will ring up and say, "I mean, they had a lot of years that where um, they were really poor. They were really Long bad. suffering days fans. And That's you can—I'm just picturing now some of those fans at the MCG, oh. you know, with tears rolling down their eyes as their team would come off the ground after a big thumping. Um, so full credit to that rebuild and the way that they've um, now turned that around and the success that we're now seeing and to the fact that we're talking about them chasing that record, it just shows you sometimes you've got to just go to the draft, you've got to pick young talent, you have to have shared experience and allow those young men to to learn how to win together. Um, and they've obviously got a great coach in Simon Goodwin and they've stuck fat with him and... Um, you know, allowed him to build that side. They've got super fit now. They've got great depth. Their list management's been excellent and they're reaping the rewards now of a really challenging period where, you know, they, they were anchored at the bottom of the ladder for so many years. And thankfully now for their fans and their supporters, they're... Um, they're enjoying some success and obviously coming off the premiership last season. It's great. And yesterday, Geelong kept in touch with the top four. They uh, brought Port Adelaide's four-game winning streak to uh, an end. Geelong 11-16-82, defeating Port Adelaide 7-5-47. So the Cats 6-4 and four now. They've pretty much gone win-loss, win-loss, yep. win-loss across, you know, the past seven games or so. So another side that struggled with consistency where are you seeing them? They had that third term blitz. They kicked five goals to one, and from there they didn't really look troubled by Port yep. Adelaide. I mean, Paddy Dangerfield gets subbed out with calf tightness. He was ill during the week, so they were unsure whether he'd get up. I, I just don't know how to read Geelong. They're, they're an interesting yep. side for mine because they've got all the stars there out on the park, but for some reason things just aren't quite gelling all the time. Yeah, they do this a little bit though, the Cats, and I talked about um, obviously what, you know, Nam have done uh, over that rebuild, but Geelong have been at the top, I mean, like the top four, top yeah, two. They're, for a very long time. For a long time, since 2007. So what's that, 15 seasons yeah. or 13 seasons? Ridiculous. That they've just been, you know, I said about uh, Nam being anchored to the bottom. They've been anchored to the, the top. top. They've just been so good with own with only winning that sort of one premiership, I guess, uh, well, the last premiership was in 2011. 11, yep. Yep. So while they've been competing, they haven't won that, I guess, that, that next elusive flag. But it feels like Geelong, potentially last year, we saw them just run out of gas in September. When it really mattered, they just didn't have the run. And so potentially they're just doing enough at the moment and they're going to play finals. We, we know they're a top eight side, Geelong. And I'm sure their objective would to be, you know, different to last year. They'd, they'd want to be up and about and firing and fit and have all those veterans, you know, Selwood, Hawkins, mm. Cameron, all those boys 
um, fresh and fit and firing when it really matters. And, you know, you, you mentioned danger. It was a day to forget for him, unfortunately. He had a really scary moment where he looked like he did something to the inside of his knee, maybe like a potentially a medial, medial ligament. He, um, and then obviously he got subbed off with the tight calf. So it was a bad day for danger. But he's another one that they just need to be in form and fit um, and make sure that he's he's ready in the back half of the year. But, you know, Port Adelaide, despite the scoreboard, Port played really well in that first half. They took the lead into the fir- in, in, into half time. Geelong didn't have a mark inside forward 50 in the first half. Um uh, but the second half, you know, Geelong's defence got on top. They kicked six goals, five from intercept possessions. I really like Sam DeConning. He's a great young defender. He's having a great season uh, for Geelong. But it's not all doom and gloom. Port obviously coming off four wins. After starting the year zero and five. Mm. It's and been a terrific Being like written that. off, you know, four wins in a row. They really pushed Geelong there to half time. Um, Finlayson, Marshall and jo- Georgiades have been great. They're starting to gel. They're starting to work together. But yesterday, Geelong cut them out. But they get Dixon back. They're going to get Fantasia back. Yeah. Um, there's don't plenty of upside, Port. isn't oh, there? There's so much upside in, in Port Adelaide. Eh? I just think that, you know, it wasn't their day yesterday. Cats had them by 14 inside 50s. They were better around stoppage. You know, Cats plus 11 clearances. Um, but, yeah, Port, don't write them off. They're going to they're gonna still be a, a, a serious contender, a major player in the, in the, in the second half of the season. And I, I, I just think their defence is going gonna, is gonna to really hold them up. Yeah, I think so. I think the one main concern I would have about Port Adelaide and watching yesterday too is is their midfield and do they have the depth that's there? I mean, Ollie Wines, Dan Houston and, and Travis Boak, they had good numbers, 29 touches for Ollie. Dan Houston, 30 touches. Travis Boak, 25. But, you know, you look at Ollie Wines, only nine contested and they lost the contested possession count 150 to yep. 120. So I guess my concerns would be around that midfield group and I think that was probably a concern that came out of that preliminary final loss as well to the Bulldogs last year. Do they have the depth there? Because Travis Spoke is still a great player, yep. um, but he's ageing. He's on that yeah, upper they, end of they the... Still, they, they have those young kids coming through. So Rosie and Butters, you know, they're going to... more time yeah, in there. More, yep. more time in the midfield there, I guess. And Port Adelaide are built for now. So they've only had two picks inside the top 50 in the last two years in the draft. They took uh, Lachlan Jones two years ago at pick 16. Yep. They took Josh Sin last year at pick 12. They've bought in free agents. So they've got rid of their early draft picks for free agents. So they've bought in... Burton from Hawthorne, Aaliyah from Sydney, you know, Motlop a few years ago. Yep. They brought in Finlayson from uh, the Giants, Giants. Lysett from Eagles, Fantasia from the Bombers, Mackenzie came down from the Sun. So mm. they're really built for now. And that, I know what you're saying, that sometimes when you go all in, it means you're, you're at the top end of your list are starting to get a bit older. Oh, wow. And we talked about Boke and he's still having a great season. But it's it's all or nothing a little bit this year for Port. It feels at times. Um, so yeah, I've I really liked their last month. So that defensively they kept the Eagles to thirty three points, St Kilda to forty two, they kept the Bulldogs to sixty nine points, and North Melbourne to forty six. And the first half yesterday they were great against the Cats. It's just the second half, the Cats were able to get on top defensively. As you said, seven goals to two after half time. But I still think they're going to be a major player, Port Adelaide. Yeah, I, I agree. They play Essendon too next week. So yep. I think uh, they might be back on the winner's list there, Port Adelaide. They're certainly an interesting watch at the moment. The other game too yesterday, and that was last night. So I think, well, I had the three screens going. Yeah, Sando, I did too. Last I did too. Night. How good was it? Yeah. <laughs> you had like election on one, yep. obviously Dreamtime at the G, and then yep. the Adelaide-St Kilda game, which um, – 
was a really intriguing game in that second half in particular. But Max King, six-goal haul. He sparks the Saints to victory. They win by 21 points over there at Adelaide Oval. But the Crows were so wasteful. And Matthew Nix, the coach, said it after the game. He's like, we're really clear on what cost us this yeah. game. Nine and goals, 15, yeah. Poor goal kicking. And, and I guess he was frustrated because he said they've been really working on it um, yep. this season and taking a lot of shots on goal. Just didn't come to the fore last night and they didn't take the most of their opportunities. And the Saints, on the other hand, who have had inaccuracy issues, in particular Max King too, 14-6, Max King, six marks, six goals. Well, that's what rubs salt into the wounds, Nat, mm. is when you just cannot get a goal when you really need one. And as I said, nine goals, 15, and then Max King down the other end kicks six straight. That's the bit that's frustrating. And sometimes, and I know you said Nick said we've been focusing on it, it's the hard thing because you build up this emotional yeah. um, consequences if I fail type. Yep. So every time you get the ball, so imagine that you're, you you take a mark inside Adelaide's forward line now, you go back and then in the back of your mind, you can hear the, <laughs> we're not good at goal kicking and we've been at in, inaccurate all season. Yep. So there's, there's becomes a, an element of you know, what if I miss this? Yeah, what if so I, it's a real mental thing, isn't it? Yeah. So sometimes the more you practice it and you focus on it, it can actually it have a negative effect. Oh, yeah. So, I think my, my history will – I think the best way is to just have competitions at training where you have maybe the forwards, the midfielders, the defenders all having shots against each other. So you're sort of still uh, building anxiety. You're still building that um, almost like that match-like pressure where I have to kick this. You know, yep. But I remember Travis Cloak used to say oh, he would never miss at training. He'd kick like 100 straight. But then as soon as he got on the MCG in front of 80,000 people, 15 metres out straight in front. Different ball game. It's different, yeah. It feels different. You're not at training anymore with no crowd, no expectations, you know. Um, You're more so, relaxed at training. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you have to replicate that tightness, that anxiety feeling when you're at, when you're at training and – and it's hard now because uh, I'll talk about coaching, but young men now are harder to coach than ever. They, you say, okay, go and do some goal kicking practice. Where do you, where do you think they go and practice from? The, the boundary line. Yeah, <laughs> they go and grab the footies and they'll go on the boundary line the and they'll practice stuff. bananas and dribblers <laughs> and round the corner kicks and. Um, but yeah, it's it's really hard to replicate that match type ex- anxieties is is what I'm saying. But yeah, I feel for the crows yesterday because they were brave again and. They've lost four in a row now, and I know it's not panic stations because they they know where they are. They're on a they're on a journey. Um, some of their stuff you see, you can tell what Nix is trying to do and what they're trying to what they're trying to implicate there. And um, but unfortunately, yeah, yesterday their goal kicking certainly let them down. So Ben Keys has twenty seven touches. Jordan Dawson twenty two disposals and, and two goals. He was fabulous. As was Brody Smith. Josh Rochelle, unfortunately, subbed out with a cork hip late in the game. Tex, one goal, two. He was pretty well held by yep. Callum Wilkie, who I think is such an underrated yep. defender at St Kilda right now. Yeah, you're right. And there's a lot. there was a lot to like about the Saints. And what I was nervous about, we spoke about it yesterday with Jared and Andy. It felt like a bit of a danger game for St Kilda, only because... You know, Higgins and Steele out. And Steele Steel's is a big one. such a good player. And... Obviously, when you lose your captain and, um, you know, he's been such a reliable midfielder. But they've got the depth there now. That's the difference. If this was a, this game was last year, I would have said, you know, Crows go in favourite yep. as soon as you take Steele out. Um, but we saw Crouch. You know, Crouch is having a great season. He had 31 touches last night. Sinclair is a little ripper. Like, he's so fun to watch. He's 
an absolute Can't machine. Can't miss him with that shocking haircut. It's a great haircut. <laughs> Nat. It's, I would die for that haircut. But, um, <laughs> but then you got Gresham. He's having another great season. He was out a lot injured last yep. year. Um, Zach Jones back. Ross is um, obviously an important part of that midfield, high half forward And group. Brad Hill last night too was Hill in his 200th game yeah. was great. And uh, the other one, he didn't have a great game last night, I didn't think, but McKenzie's been really important on that wing as well. So St Kilda are showing a bit of depth there. And I talked about shared experience before. They're enjoying playing a game style which they believe in. The midfield's got depth. Their back line looks really strong. You mentioned Wilkie's game on Walker. Um, and yeah, and... You know, back to the Crows. They've probably just got to find that right mix in the forward line. You know, Phil Thorpe, Fogarty, Walker, Himmelberg out of the side. Um, you know, McAdam looks good. I like McHenry. Um, Rowe and Davis, you know, they've got some, um, I think, bright futures as sort of small half forwards. But, um, yeah, there's still a few questions there for the Crows. And they're obviously, as I said, in, in, in a, re- a rebuild phase where they're trying to work out what their best 22, 25, 28 players look like in that squad. And then they'll... Just keep adding pieces as they as they go along there. And looking at the sample results from, I think that the Adelaide um, Reserves side played on Friday night, but Riley O'Brien dominated. He had 37 disposals, 42 hitouts, 11 marks, 13 clearances, and a goal. Um, Matt Crouch had 35 touches and seven clearances as well in the sample. So perhaps a couple of players pushing yep. and putting their hand up for selection, which is what you need. You need that competition for spots. I mean, Kieran Strawn. Still um, working his way through a, an AFL career as well. But yep. Riley O'Brien was the big shock, I guess, omission from the last couple of weeks of the Adelaide Crows. So has a chance here to push his way back into the senior side. All right, there's still plenty more to come on Sunday crunch time. After the break, we're going to chat to injured GWS star in Jacob Hopper. We'll talk about the Giants and West Coast game, plus a little bit on Brisbane and Hawthorne. And, of course, Collingwood and Fremantle still to come this afternoon. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Our expert today, Brenton Sanderson, is here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. We are counting down to... The first game this afternoon, a 2.10 start, Sandra. I prefer it when it's a 1.10 start, but 2.10, <laughs> yeah. okay. We'll just drag yep. it out a little bit longer. We'd like to see a little bit more football sooner on a Sunday, but it is the Giants hosting West Coast at Giants Stadium. Mark McVeigh's first game in charge at GWS and injured Giants star Jacob Hopper has been good enough to jump on the phone and join us on Sunday crunch time. Jacob, welcome to you. Hey, guys. How are we? We're going well. How are you going? I think more to the point because we'd love to see you and I'm sure you'd love to be out there running around with your teammates. I had a look at the uh, injury list on afl.com.au before. It says you're still four to six weeks away after having that arthroscope on your knee. Just talk us through where you're at. Yeah, it's been just a bit of a frustrating process. Um, You know, some injuries just aren't as straightforward as everyone would wish that they are so it was a bit of a interrupted pre-season and tried to kind of get going um but then yeah unfortunately just wasn't feeling right so 
yeah, it's definitely feeling a lot better now, and um, I feel like we're on the right track now. So, um, yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, we can get I can get back out there and start playing some footy, which would be which would be really nice. Are you back running, doing full contact training? Where, where are you sort of at in your in your training loads? Yeah, run, having a run around um, now, like ramping up my loads now, running. Not no contact work as of okay. yet, but. Um, that's yeah. That's not too far around the corner. So just getting more and more dynamic now with my movement, which is um, which just feels good to be you know feeling a bit more a part of it. Because um, yeah, it's been a a rough start for everyone kind of um, at the footy club. So hopefully we can get back out there and, and contribute. Have you got a date or a round in mind that you're eyeing off? Not really. I think I kind of wanted to throw the dates out after I kept missing them last time around. So just. Uh, Keep it, leave it a bit open-ended and, and just aim to get back um, playing footy when I feel right. Uh, Jacob, we're dying to know. So, new head coach, what are we going to see different from, this, from the uh, Giants today? Yes, I think it's just, well, obviously we've had a fair few changes with illness and injury and whatnot, but so I'm still trying to get around my head around what the team kind of looks like, so I'm sure Mark is as well. But I think there's definitely been just more energy as, you know, with change, once everyone got over the kind of um, the decision that was made and that kind of uh, shock factor, I suppose, when there's a change like that, I think there's been some new energy and there's been some changes in our schedule and, and things like that. And I think it's just all about trying to um, bring some life back to our ball movement and making sure that we're trying to be as aggressive and as attacking as we possibly can, both with the ball in hand and, and without it. So I think it's just about trying to yeah, not get too stagnant with the ball in hand and trying to um, just throw as much as we possibly can at opposition. So you think there'll be a bit more freedom in the offence? Is that is that sort of the message you think from McVeigh? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm hoping so. I think that's kind of, you know, definitely been the messaging and throughout the week because, you know, with the, the start we've had, we've got nothing to really lose. So I think it's just about being as um, aggressive as we can, both defensively and, and attacking maybe because, um, yeah, We've got to try and do something or else it's, the season's going to go to waste pretty quickly. So what about the outs then? I know you said you're still wrapping your head around it, but it was announced yesterday that Taranto, Pruce and Lockie Ash will be coming out of the side today. They're obviously really important players for you. Yeah, I think there's just been, I don't know, this flu is just kind of... It's everywhere. It's awful. Yeah, I know. I know. It's been crazy. It's, it's been, um, Yeah, I think so. I think... Some of the boys haven't been able to get out of bed, so I think, yeah, there's just some um, some flu that's getting around, and uh, footy clubs are um, not the best sometimes at protecting yourself from each other because everything everyone's so close and in contact with each other. But and then there's just yeah, I think Kim's back. He's been nursing that for a little bit, so he's going to have to have some time off just to try and get that right. But um, yeah, I, I suppose as as with people going down it presents opportunities for um for others and i think i'm excited to see um jacob really get a chance and um he's been playing some really good footy so it'll be exciting to see him um debut and um yeah just i think more and more people coming in just you know it does kind of open the chance for us to be as aggressive as we can because you know there's boys in there they're just you know super excited to get the chance to run out there so what are you expecting on the second half of the season with a new coach and obviously some adjustments to the game plan? There's still so much talent in this team. Would you still be pushing? I mean, at what, at what point do you say, you know, we're going to just change things around and look for an adjustment in the game plan and, 
you know, look to 2023 or is your, is your focus as a club still very much on 2022? Yeah, Sandor, it's, oh, it's, it's hard. Like, it's obviously not the start we've wanted to have. And I think um, as a playing group, first and foremost, we've got to take some accountability for that. Like, it's, it wasn't just because of Leon that we started like we did. Um, so we've got to take some real ownership and have a good hard look in the mirror about what, what's going wrong out there because there's obviously some things that just aren't going well for us and what we need to improve on. Um, but, yeah, well and truly, I think the, the goal still has to be that we're more than capable of winning games of footy and, you know, what it's like if you can win one or two. Momentum, momentum's a beautiful thing in this game where you can start to build that confidence and that belief, which, which we definitely still do have. So, yeah, I think with this... Some little changes in our in our four members specific, specifically, and trying to just get a bit more energetic, um, both on and off the field. I think um, with this change and with some changes, I think finals is definitely still the goal, as it always kind of should be. But yeah, I mean, it's obvious that we've got to start winning some games, and we've got to start winning them pretty soon. Yeah. We know that James Hurd has been doing some leadership mentoring around the club, but now moves into an assistant coaching role as well under Mark McVeigh. Just talk about the impact that James has had on the group and what you've seen from him so far. Yeah, Hurd has been brilliant. He obviously brings a wealth of experience, both as a player and, and as a coach. So to have him come in and um, contribute the way he has, you know, with specifically with kind of us leaders has been... Um, you know, it's been great just to get a different different lens, um, a different insight, you know, different perspective on things and how things are run and how we do things. So, um, you know, he's obviously a, a terrific operator. So it's been, it's been great to have that kind of wisdom and insight um, for me personally and, and for kind of the, the leaders coming through as a group. Is there one key takeaway that you've sort of, or one key thing that you've learnt from him so far that you can share with us? Um. I don't think more just uh, he's you know he's obviously ex, you know he expects excellence. He was a you know a great player, and so he's been. It's probably been more the mindset around challenging us, um, kind of pretty directly, and um, making sure that we're getting the absolute maximum out of ourselves on a regular basis, so then we can try and get the most out of kind of those guys around us and ex- accelerate the the younger boys around us and make sure that they're getting to their kind of um, their potential as quickly as possible. So I think just his ability to come in and challenge us as a, in that kind of broad point of view has been brilliant. Well, Jacob, we appreciate you jumping on the phone and having a chat to us on Sunday crunch time. Best of luck with your recovery. We cannot wait to see you back out there in the second half of the season and best of luck, of course, to the Giants today against the Eagles. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Jacob Hopper, their injured GWS midfielder, hopefully back on the park because he is so crucial to their team. Looking forward to to this clash, really just to see what the Giants can do under Mark McVeigh. And if they change anything up, I know the opposition isn't uh, one that, you know, is obviously doing too well with West Coast 1-8 and at the moment. But I'm curious to see how things might look differently on field for the Giants. Yeah, well, he mentioned about more energy and uh, some some adjustments in offense. So that's that's obviously what I'll be looking for today. Do you think uh, James Hurd deserves a second chance as a coach? Yeah, I do. And I'm... You know, he, when you've got a, a person like James Hurd, and we talked, you know, we obviously talking then with, with Jacob Hopper, but you bring a, 
person in that's won two AFL premierships, one as captain, is a Brownlow medalist, five-time All-Australian, five-time Best and Fairest winner, Norm Smith medalist. This is a superstar mm. of the game, James Hurd. And sometimes our our closest memory is his record at Essendon, which he still, you know, he coached 85 games at the Bombers, 41 wins, 43 losses. So that's not a bad win-loss ratio either. So he's obviously a great football person with a great football mm. mind and his presence in that Giants locker room is enough at the moment. And obviously we'll debate and it's going to be great fun um, talking about who the Giants co- next coach might be. Um, it would be an incredible story if it was James Hurd. How, how good would that be to oh, see him it, return back into the limelight again? And, you know, Sydney might be the perfect spot for him. I think so. Just sort of out of the Melbourne football bubble, it would be a great place for him to, to re-emerge and, and come out as a senior coach once again. But obviously it would be a, a contentious one that a lot of fans would disagree with. Um, but, yeah, certainly will be interesting to see what impact he might have there too at the Giants under Mark McVeigh as an assistant coach now. All right, we'll still got a little bit more to discuss on Sunday crunch time before we head to the game. GWS and West Coast coming up first, 210 at Giants Stadium. Stay with us on Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. Enjoying Crunch Time banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Uh, Josh Jeans joins us from Dabble as he does every Sunday on Crunch Time. Welcome, Josh. How are you feeling? Are you uh, anxious about this West Coast game? Are you even going to watch it? <laughs> you know what? I'm optimistic for some <laughs> weird reason. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just feel like you know how many. There's got to be one win in the season, doesn't there? There has to be another one at some point, don't you reckon, Nat? Yeah, but that Collingwood <laughs> one. I still don't know how the Eagles managed to win that one. Let's be fair. <laughs> so you say not today. Not, not today. today. Probably I'll just, not. I'll just okay. Back in my box. I'll hide in the cupboard for the rest of the, <laughs> the season, and we'll see. We'll see how we go. No, but it's good that uh, Pickers is starting late as always. Uh, yes, yes, Pickers, you know, I don't know where he is. He's probably just uh, having a nap in his car. But we've uh, we've heard, Josh, there's a, a dabble deal today involving a couple of midfielders going around in Tassie. Do tell. Yeah, that's right. So we've got an exclusive bet for our dabblers. So Neil and Mitchell to combine for 60-plus disposals. I reckon that's pretty solid. What about you? Oh, I don't know. Tom Mitchell had 14 touches in his last game. So it might be Lockie Neil doing a lot of the heavy lifting in that one. Geez, Pickers is really rubbing off on you. The optimism's coming out. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we'll get to your bet for today, Nat. So you got Greater Western Sydney, as you just said, 40-plus points over the Eagles. The Lions to go head-to-head with the Hawks. And uh, Freo Dockers to bounce back as well. What do you like there in, in one of those legs? Oh, gosh. Probably the Freo one. Yeah, well, they're pretty good, aren't they? I don't think anyone saw that. Oh, I think, um, yeah, I think they'll bounce back after that that loss to the Suns last week for sure. Absolutely. Well, the easiest thing to do is just download the Dabble app and you can copy that Crunch Time. There are already a few people jumping on board, so they're liking what you're putting out there. Follow Crunch Time AFL. Go on, have a Dabble, Dabble socially and gamble responsibly, Nat. Sounds good, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully we can get the job done for all of our <laughs> followers. Good luck with the Eagles. <laughs> Thanks, Nat. See you. <laughs> Bye. Josh Jeans from Dabble.
The poor man is a West Coast fan. Yep. and Tough year for It's a Eagles very, supporters. very tough year for Eagles supporters. Uh, that game against the Giants starting at 2.10. Also down in Tassie, Launceston today. It's Hawthorne up against the Brisbane Lions. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, you think the Brisbane Lions are in that second tier yep. all by themselves. It's Melbourne, Brisbane, and then the rest yep. as it stands. But Brisbane, their forward line, I mean – it's scary to think that they're going to get Joe Danaher back and Dan McStay probably in the next four weeks or so. And then yep. Eric Hipwood just comes back last week. Then they've got McCarthy, Cameron, McCluggage, you know, a whole host of for- small forwards as well that can just stand up. They are scary and I fear for Hawthorne's defence today. I don't know. I've got a sneaky Ooh. feeling about the Hawks today now. Oh, and I, I didn't like realise, I, I, I had to just double check because – Hawthorne have lost their last four. Yes, they have. Um, Don't remind me. But that I, I can't picture them being that bad. I know they had the the, the bad last quarter against the Bombers, and they're probably not their best last week against Richmond. But they uh, just drop off in small patches. It's maybe a quarter here, so that finding that consistency over four quarters of footy isn't quite there. And, and you get that with a young side. Yeah, I guess so. But I just feel like they're better than that. I, I think back to a month ago when they beat the mm. beat the Cats at the MCG when. They won that game by 12 points. And I, and I really like what Sam Mitchell was doing there. Despite the last month, I, I'll give him a sneaky chance today against Brisbane. I know it's sometimes hard for those teams up in those northern states to come down and play in the south in winter. I know we're not quite <laughs> in the depths of winter yet, but it'll be cold down in Tassie today. And, in, you know, there'll be a lot of long sleeves on with those Brisbane players, I'm sure. It certainly will be cold down there. I think even if I look back to last season, I do believe that the Hawks beat the Lions down in Tassie. They did so in uh, in round 20. They won by 12 points. So perhaps you're right. They are a sneaky chance. They get Tom Mitchell back. Uh, Liam Shields comes back into the side. James Warple omitted Dan Howe back and CJ, who's who's a big one. But yep. it's the midfield that I'm most concerned about with, with Hawthorne, that depth that's not quite there. And James Warple obviously hasn't had a great season to date, which is why he's been dropped. And hopefully if he spends a few weeks in the VFL, he'll be able to find some confidence because they really well, he's need He's such him. a good player, Warple. It's a strange yeah. one. I know you said he hasn't been at his best this season. And potentially they're, maybe it's two of the same with Mitchell and Warple. Quite you know, possibly. Leg speed, and now yeah. we're, talk, we're talking about, say, for example, before we said about Richmond, about their speed, how good they looked last night against the Bombers when they got the ball outside the contest. Potentially, you know, potentially Hawthorne now with Warple and Mitchell, they just lack a little bit of leg speed, which is, um, which is something that's really important now in the modern game. So that's the second game, but the third game this evening. It's 5.20 Australian Eastern time, but I'm really looking forward to, to this one. Fremantle, they're sitting 7-2 and two at the moment. Collingwood, 4-5. and five. They've been an interesting one under Craig McRae so far. This game at Optus Stadium. Mason Cox comes into the side and... I can't help but think that perhaps this is his last chance. And I'm not saying today is his, his last chance, but it, they, if Craig McRae gives him a little block here yep. just to, to prove himself, that this could be his last chance to kind of show what he's got. Yeah, potentially. And, you know, both teams coming off disappointing games last week. The the Pies were poor against the Bulldogs, lost by 48 points. And you said about Fremantle getting upset uh, by the Suns last week, which is a bit of a shock for their for their form, they only scored 33 points in total. They only scored four goals, nine mm. last week. But you're right about Coxie. He's um, he's 31 years old. Um, he's older than what you think. And um, for whatever reason, the last couple of seasons, he just hasn't been able to string against, you know, string 
a consistent block of games together. But they've had their challenges this year, the Pies, with their forward line injuries and Kruger's out for, for, for a fair while. You know, Cameron's had to go into the ruck while yep. Grundy's out. So they've had to mix and match a little bit uh, the last couple of weeks, the Pies, to sort of get their team settled. But you're right, this is a great game to finish off what's been an awesome round. And we're going to see some 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 good games again today, but... This is going to be a cracker, I think. Collingwood will throw everything at Fremantle. Obviously, Justin Longmuir knows Collingwood mm. really well, but with a new coaching scheme and some new some new systems there at Collingwood, um, you know they, they might go over there and cause a bit of an upset, I reckon. When you look at Fremantle and that loss to the Suns last week, which player are you looking to bounce back today? The bounce back for Juraveg, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. Who do you think needs to bounce back? For the Collingwood? Both sides either. Oh, well, I, the one I'm, I was a bit nervous about earlier in the week was Jack Crisp, but he's so important oh, for Collingwood. And that streak. The streak, <laughs> yeah. He is just an iron man. The way that he just keeps putting games together. Uh, last year's best and fairest winner for for Collingwood. Um, hopefully he plays. He's been named. I'd hate for him to be a laid out, but I think I'd yeah. love to see him come in today and just dominate through the midfield. I'd love to see him bounce back and have a great game. And then Jackie Ginovan, uh, Ginovan, sorry, Jackie G comes back into the side, Jamie Elliott. So there's a few begins for Collingwood. Same too with Fremantle though, because Switkowski, who I think is so underrated and has been um, outside of probably Western Australia, we get our Vic goggles on sometimes, but he has been really crucial to what Fremantle has done in that forward line and their attack this year, the pressure that they put on. Matt Tabiner comes back in, Michael Walters comes back into the side. Out goes Erasmus, Tracy, Tucker and Brandon Walker. So I probably think that the Dockers are going to get the job done today. But I'm pretty optimistic about Collingwood, especially with Jack Ginevan back in the side. Yeah, he's he's exciting to watch, isn't he? He's had a fantastic season and they sort of reined him in a little bit after that great Anzac Day mm-hmm. game. And he went and had a couple of beers on a six-day break or whatever yes. it was. And they said, you got to pull your head in a little bit. Let's just get him back to his his best, you know. Let him let him just play. But you're right about uh, Fremantle. They've had their challenges with COVID and injuries, and but they do look like they're getting back to their best. You mentioned their forward line, uh, really exciting. Some of those young forwards, those small forwards, Collius, Witowski, Schultz, Frederick, yeah, Schultz. Walters. Yeah, it's been really exciting. To, and that, and add obviously Tabernar and um, and and Lob to that forward line. There, it's uh, going to be hard to beat today. But yeah, can't wait to watch this game and just see. The final game of round 10. Just relax this afternoon. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I know. Before we wrap up Sunday crunch time, just your tips for GWS and West Coast. Who you got? Um, I've got a feeling West Coast might get the job done today. I don't know why, Nat. I don't know. Maybe. um, But sometimes I know uh, Jacob Hopper mentioned before about the energy and they're looking to, you know, expand on their offense this little bit, play play with a little bit more flair. But good chance for the Eagles today. You look at them on paper. They're still a really good side, Mm. the Eagles. So an upset today for me in that game, the Eagles. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if fourth time upset the Lions as well, but I think the Lions will just be too good. Yep. But this game might be closer than what everybody thinks. And, yeah, as much as I want to say Collingwood, Nat, <laughs> I just think Fremantle's forward line might be too good for the Pies today. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Fremantle for mine. The Lions will definitely beat the Hawks down at Utah. I, I do think the Hawks will give it a, a good, uh, give them a good run for their money, but I think the Brisbane Lions will be too powerful in attack for them. And the Giants to get the job done. Mark McVay to get his first win um, as he takes on the job as senior coach for the 
for the rest of the season and then what yeah, happens there, him, yeah. who knows. What so, a great, great opportunity for him. Yeah, a fantastic opportunity for Mark McVeigh indeed. Thank you so much for coming in and filling in for Josh Jenkins. We'll have to get you back on oh, Sunday I'd love to, Nat. It was great fun and, um, yeah, JJ can stay home again next week if he wants. <laughs> I think he might be staying home. <laughs> he sent me a text before saying he's not going to be here again. So we'll yeah. have to no, call you up again. Fun. Thank you, everyone, to listening for listening to Sunday Crunch Time. It's been great having your company. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Plenty of football still to come right here on AFL Nation. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.